open your Bibles to uh, Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4 and verse 1. Hopefully you have your Bibles. I, I, do, I don't see everybody. Make sure you take notes. Short pencil is better than a long memory. Uh, and you know what? Uh, uh, nerds rule the world. And nerds are great note takers. So make sure you take notes uh, because God has something to share to you. And I want you to take seriously what he's speaking to you. Every time you're at church, wherever you are, whenever you're hearing the word of God, take great notes. Uh, when you start taking what he's saying to you seriously, he'll start taking your future a little more seriously. And he'll start saying, okay, they're prepared and they're ready uh, for what I'm going to share to them, right? Uh, we don't want words of wisdom to fall to the ground. We want words of wisdom to be sown into our life uh, on good soil because we'll reap a good harvest. So that's exactly what the Lord wants us to do. And, and of course, where would we be? Uh, we're co covenant culture is all about note-taking. But where would we be if no one wrote down what the Lord told them? Uh, so we, we'd be pretty lost. We need this in our life. And so I encourage you to take great notes. Uh, I have a wonderful, special friend that's here uh, tonight. Uh, not only all of our guests, but one of my guests that's in from out of town. Zach, will you just stand? He sat way in the back, but we'll still love him. <laughs> and his wonderful wife, Katie. Uh, they're uh, friends all the way from uh, back in high school. Zach and I have been friends for a long time. So some of the stories I'm going to share tonight, uh, you can double check uh, with him. And he, he will be able to attest to it. Um, and if I, I veer any, he will correct it, uh, probably out loud as I'm telling the story. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I want to share a word with you tonight. It's our series on Sunday nights is titled Barriers to Bridges. I want you to write that down, Barriers to Bridges. How to turn uh, obstacles in your life, right, into opportunities. How to turn those regrets into possibilities. How to turn, you know, some of the things that life throws at you and the enemy throws at you. Uh, and tries to break you down into uh, an opportunity for success, right? Not something to break you down, something to build you up. And that's exactly why God brings these opportunities. So we started at the beginning of the book of Joshua, uh, where God called Joshua. Say, I'm called. I'm called. Come on, say that again. I'm called. I'm called. God created Joshua, right? We were all created in the image of God. And then he says, Joshua, I'm calling you to a greater purpose. I'm calling you to overcome. I'm calling you to take new territory. I'm calling you to a dream. I hope I'm talking to a room uh, full of dreamers tonight. Who, somebody who has a goal. Somebody who has an aspiration. Somebody who has a desire in their heart to see something incredible happen in their life. Because you serve a great God who wants to do something great in your life, not mediocre. Did you know you didn't serve an average God? You didn't serve a mediocre God. You don't serve an okay God. You serve a great God. And God wants to do something great in your life. God wants to do something incredible in your life. And so he's going to show you how. So we need to know that we're called. Then he tells Joshua in chapter, chapter 1, he says, Be bold and strong and courageous, Joshua. He tells him twice. He says, Be strong and courageous. And we talked about being courageously confident. How to be savage. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to be savage. Uh, we, we learn how to be a little more bold, a little more confident. My grandfather always used to tell me, son, walk with your shoulders back and with your chin high and your nose down. I, don't, I haven't perfected that yet. I really don't get how you walk with your chin up and your nose down. I always tease him about that. But I understand the analogy and I understand the story and I understand the point, And that is to be confident in who you are, uh, but really not cocky and saying it's all about me. It's all about God and who he created me to be. And I want you to look every day in the mirror and believe that you're the best. 
If you don't see a 10 on your forehead, how do you expect other people to see that? you got to believe in yourself. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight as well. And then we talked about being consecrated. What does that mean to be dedicated, separated, set apart? And he said, when you consecrate yourselves, tomorrow I'm going to do amazing things among you. This is one of the only times in Scripture where God says, if you, then I, and it's an amazing follow-up. He says, if you dedicate yourself to me, I will do one of the only times in the Bible, amazing things among you. And we talked about how incredible that is. God's going to do amazing things in my life. Not just any day, but tomorrow. And we heard about testimony after testimony of uh, last week when people received that in their heart. That we're dedicated to the Lord and we're here to carry his cross, not our baggage. We've got to let go of the baggage. Somebody said amen. We've got to let go of all that. And we're here to carry our cross. His burden is light. His yoke is easy. And tonight I'm going to talk to you about two different things. And I'm going to show you three different perspectives in each one. So I want you to write these down. We're going to talk about being connected and we're going to talk about being committed. Connecting and committed are two of the greatest keys to your future and your success, to you accelerating your destiny. And I want you to know how important and vital they are for you and how to do it. A lot of people talk about, oh, it's great. You got to have friends. Got to have friends. Got to be connected to the right people. It's all about your connections. <laughs> right, right, right. When I was in high school, again, uh, uh, he can, Zach will check me if I'm wrong, but I, I was in ninth grade and I was uh, five feet tall and 85 pounds. A lot of you have heard this before. Uh, I was tiny. I was itty-bitty. They called me Pee-wee. Some of the girls, when I first walked into the hallway, they thought I was in junior high and tried to redirect me. Of course, I gave them some act right, and then I walked around them. No, I didn't. I just moved around, embarrassed. And so then uh, we're a little bit into the year. I'm a little tiny dude, and I'm doing whatever. See, when I was small, I got to get into this a little bit. When I was tiny, I, I, I talked a lot. I mean a lot. Like, I talked a lot of trash. I learned how to talk, I mean perfect, the trash-talking game. I was good at it. So much so that I got into a lot of fights. And, of course, when you're five feet tall, you're not going to win very many. So when I, was, uh, when, I, when I got into this, I was skipping class one day. It was the middle of the day. I skipped class. Uh, and, and I was wandering in the hallways. And all of a sudden, these two massive uh, guys who played on the varsity football team we're standing in front of me, and they skip class too. Well, they don't really like me. But the deal is, see, when you're small, I'm going to give some input to somebody who feels a little fragile at times. You make friends with big people, okay? What do you like? I like that too. I, I, I was just this little innocent kid. I found all the big guys. I'm like, what do you like? Tell me what you like. I love that too. Let's hang out. Let's do this. Will you be my bodyguard? Will you protect me? And so I would make friends so that I was protected. So then only these big people could pick on me. So I come up in front of these guys, and they're not one of the group, okay? So they grab a hold of me. They're like, what should we do to him? And I was like, oh. and when you're that small, you just go with it. Fighting back never helps anybody. So I just was like, all right. <laughs> they grab a hold of me, and they, they're like, let's duct tape him to the lockers, and so when everybody comes out, he's just taped to the entire locker as the high school comes out. So they're duct taping me, and they're duct taping me. I'm like, okay, whenever you're done, just go ahead and get this over with so I can get down from here. So I'm literally just going with it, and they duct tape me to the lockers, and then they start taping me, and they're taping me. Somebody, right? Like, come on, this poor kid. Like, all the torment. Now you guys know what's wrong with me. So I have, they tape me to the lockers, and then my friends, my cousins come out. They all come out, and they're huge, and they're like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're the only ones who duct taped that thing. They were like, take him down now. And they, they got in this huge brawl over me. So I end up, I was duct tape on his shoulder. 
And they're like, no. So they start arguing. They go back and forth. Words were said, of course, in a fight. So then I get dropped on the ground. And they're literally like, I'm underneath them, like worming my way out. And actually, two of the girls who first saw me when I was in junior high, they're the ones who drug me out from underneath. And they're like, come here, Pee-wee. They pull me out. And I'm over here getting out of my duct tape. And then the principal shows up. Of course, security shows up. Everybody shows up. And then they were like, what is going on? They figure it all out. They're like, you two guys who duct tape him, you're in out-of-school suspension. You guys, thanks for standing up for a young man. You go back to class. Meryl, you got in-school suspension right now. Go ahead and go. So I got in trouble. <laughs> of course, I was skipping class. But the point that I want to make is... Is you got it? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not painting a great picture. I'm trying to show you when you have the right people who got your back, you're gonna have somebody to protect you. And I, I learned this as a small guy, but I want to hear to tell you tonight: God has your back, and God wants to connect you to the right people who really can support you in a healthy way. Not people who are just gonna use it and abuse it against you. People are actually gonna help you. In Joshua chapter 4, and verse 1, he says this. He says, when the whole nation had finished crossing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up the 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder. Big stones. Some, everybody got their little rock that they got? We got you, we got you some rocks because, let's be honest, we don't trust all of you with bigger rocks, okay? Uh, but, we, uh, but we have some stones, and they had to put these. These are so big, they had to put them on their shoulder. And so they put them on their shoulder according to the number of the tribes of Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? To tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial. Everybody say memorial. memorial. To the people of Israel forever. Tonight we're going to talk about a few different reasons that people use stones in the Bible. One of the greatest ones was as an act of memorial or worship to create an altar. The other one was to stone people. And let me tell you, you have a choice tonight with the stone that you hold in your hand on how you're going to handle yourself. Whether you're going to connect with people and build something great or whether you're going to wait to use it against each other. God wants to help you connect in the right way. We're better together. We're stronger together. Uh, we're healthier together. We can go farther together. We connect uh, because to each we connect to each other because alone you can only go so far. You can't get very far by yourself. This is what Joshua was doing. What God was speaking to them is He was giving others a place to grab a hold of the vision and the dream. If you don't allow people to have a place to grab a hold of your dream and your vision and your heart or for your family and support you, how are they going to help you? How can they be connected? And I want you to even ask yourself internally this question. Have you given a, a position for somebody to, to grab a hold of the vision that you have for your life? Or is it just you who carries it? Have you given others a, an, a, an opportunity and a right to say, okay, let's join, let's do this together? Or is it just still you just trying to carry everything? I know some of us can become very independent and we like to do our thing. We like to uh, own it. We like to run it. We like to make it happen on our own. But let me tell you, you're not going to get very far on your own. You have to do this together. Connection is huge. Being connected to the right people, being connected to good people. Let me tell you the three perspectives that I want to show you. Number one, 
There's a, what does the enemy say about this? It's number two, what do we say about this? And number three, what does God say about this? So number one, what does the enemy say when it comes to connecting? What is, what is he whispering in our ear? What is he saying to us? Let me tell you what the Bible says. He's whispering, hey, you don't need them. He's whispering, oh, you, you, don't, you have enough friends. What do you need another friend for? You don't need to go to church again. You don't need to really serve. You don't need to connect. You don't really need to be plugged in. What he keeps telling you is you're good alone. But that's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants to isolate you. He wants to get you alone. He wants to get you vulnerable so he can say, okay, now I can kill you. Isn't that what he talked about with Job? He said, I want to sift him. I'm going to sift him. What does that mean to separate? I'm going to take him away from everybody he can be encouraged by. I'm going to take him away from, because what, why do we do this? Now, why do we listen to the voice of the enemy? Obviously, just saying that is easy. We're like, well, obviously, I'm not going to listen to him. But what happens in our life is we get people who are difficult to deal with, and we're like, yeah, this is why I'm alone. We get, we get somebody who's problematic in our life and, and, and crazy, and we're like, oh, okay, whew. this is why I do things by myself. And we automatically start stiff-arming people, and pretty soon we end up in a corner by ourselves because the enemies talked to us and said so much about how, no, you don't need any of them. They're all crazy anyway. You're the only one on the planet who is sane and could do this the right way. <laughs> That's how crazy this voice is. But we listen to them because we deal with difficult people, and then we give up on people. Let me tell you, there's two reasons that God gives you people in your life. One is a blessing, and one is a lesson. God's either going to bless you with people in your life or you're going to learn from those people in your life. Those are the two reasons. The enemy's voice is going to say, oh, no, no, no. You don't need anybody. Difficult people, man. Let me just tell you, for those who, who, who run teams and businesses and groups of people, you're a leader in here, if you don't learn how to work with the worst, you're never qualified to train the best. You have to be able to work with the worst. How can you expect to take somebody who's at a 9 to a 10 if you can't even take a 0 to a 2? If you got crazy people around you, it's not, it's not that difficult to get them up from a zero to a two. When I first was building uh, some teams in the athletic department, we ended up building a great organization. I've talked a little bit about that. Championship teams, titles. That's, that's what we're here to build. We're here to build a championship church mentality. When we did that, we started off with a lot of people who didn't know anything about the sports, didn't know how to build it. We, we started off with, I mean, I'm talking about the worst of the worst. They didn't know how to play. We lost every game in every single sport that I started. It was rough. I thought I was going to get fired. But the Lord kept telling me, no, 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 you, you train them. This, these are the ones I brought to you. Maybe you don't have a lot of friends and a lot of people in your life, and you're looking around at a handful of them. The only ones you've got, and you're like, well, this is why I'm alone. <laughs> and you try to isolate and separate yourself, and God's saying, no, no, no. You need to impart into them, and they need to impart into you. You're going to learn from them. You're going to grow from them. Then what do we say? The other voice is this. The other voice is, is, is we want to have a loose connection. We want to kind of be the, the wonder. We want to be the roamer. We want to have a loose affiliation. And we, what does the Bible say about this? He teaches. Jesus teaches about this. He says, don't be lukewarm. Be all in or don't get in at all. Don't be lukewarm in your relationships. Don't be lukewarm in your connection with each other. Don't be lukewarm in your relationship with God. you got to step into another level of connection and say, okay, God, I need you. I need you in my life. I, I don't need to live this life because people, we want our options. I never realized how uh, uh, bad off we are in America sometimes. It can be a detriment until you go to a foreign country and you're like, ah, I want something different to eat tonight. They're like, uh, this is 
all we serve here. Oh, in, the, in, in, this, in this area? No, no, in this country. This is what we eat. And we're like, we want options. We want, I want to have Italian one night. I want to have uh, right Mexican food the other night. I want to keep my options open because I, I, I don't want to be totally tied down to one direction. I, I don't want to be weighed down with somebody else. And so we keep, our, we keep our distance and we stiff arm a lot of our relationships. And we'll let people kind of close, but not too close. That's really what our voice says. That's what our flesh says. It tells us all the time, I want to be connected and I want to be friends, but just not too close. I can't have you seeing all the stuff. I can't trust you. But what does God say? The last voice that you need to hear when it comes to connection is the voice of God, and that's the main voice that we need to hear too. And he says, hey, I want you to be in connected in covenant God made a covenant with us through his son, Jesus, and he says, I'm in this uh, for your success. I'm in this with everything I've got. I'm not just giving a little bit. I'm giving all. I want to be totally connected with you in relationship. And Pastor Daryl, man, he preached a powerful word this morning. If you didn't hear it, uh, get it on the podcast this week. But let me tell you, you need to be dedicated in your relationships. And you need to say, okay, God, I want to be connected. That's why when we do our membership class, we have a covenant of commitment. Because we're like, hey, we're in this. Let's do this together. And I'm going to talk about commitment here in a minute, but we need to be connected. We, we, you, don't, you can't do this alone. If you could do this alone, you, you wouldn't need anybody else. You wouldn't need, God would, shouldn't have created anyone else. Just you. Just special little you. But God created us all, why? To work together, because there's harmony in that. There's, there's, there's tremendous power in that. There's tremendous authority in that. There's tremendous strength in that. That's why he says, hey, everybody grab a stone, and I want everybody to represent every tribe. Yes, the Benjamites, you worship like this, and yes, you worship like this in Judea. Yes, you worship like this, and yes, you do it like this. But we all have our peace to play. We're not here to compete with each other. We're here to complete. That's the part we have to play. We have to be able to say, okay, God, I want you to, I want you to you know, show me how to be connected. When I started connecting with people and saying, okay, hey, I need more friends in my life, that's when God started to open up doors. You know, it was, uh, I had uh, some friends in this, in this church, and they, they believed in us and the ministry. And I was wanting to get on NAU campus. I, had never, I haven't been on there. I, I asked a ton of coaches and people. I'm like, hey, this is why I can bring this. You need me. You call me. I had tons of meetings with different people. Never happened. Until one golf tournament, uh, it was, I believe, May. I think it was in May. I think the golf tournament was in May. And it was snowing that morning outside. And I was like, I am not going. I was like, I don't care. I don't want to go outside. And the Lord said, no, I need you to go there and meet somebody. So I went there. I went to the golf tournament. And so it was to raise funds for the NAU uh, sports program. Football team was there. And so then one of my friends uh, from the church who was with me, he says, hey, I want you to come meet uh, Coach Sowers. You need to meet him. I was like, okay, I'll go meet him. So I go over there and I shake Coach Sowers' hand. And I'm like, hey, how are you doing? He's like, Coach, this is the guy I've been telling you about. You got to put him as a part of the team. You got to make this happen. You got to bring him apart. So that first guy's telling him this. As he's finishing his sentence, and we're just kind of small talking, Coach is like, ah, okay, whatever. And so like, he's kind of dismissive about it. We talked about it later. The next guy, right after that, uh, was another big boosters guy for, this, uh, for the NAU football team. He was like, Coach, 
Have you met Landon? This is the guy I was telling you about. He's like, you got to hire him. You got to get him on this team. You got to have influence. So it's kind of like we're smiling now, kind of laughing. Then one of the assistant coaches who comes to the church shows up and he goes, coach, have you met Landon? You got to meet Landon because he's the guy. And he goes, just, oh, one thing. We started laughing about it. We rode in the golf cart for a while. Next thing you know, I'm, I'm speaking to the entire football team and we watch 50 young men give their life to the Lord and an impact happened on that university because there was a connection. Because I didn't say, oh, I have enough friends. Oh, I've got enough people in my life. I don't need another person. No, no, no. You need more friends. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need another friend. (laughs) You have to give people an opportunity to grab a hold of the vision that God is speaking to you. Andrew Carnegie says this, teamwork, about teamwork. He says, it helps common people attain uncommon results. It helps common people attain uncommon results. And I'm telling you, God wants to connect you to incredible people. But I want to share with you a key on, uh, three keys on how to build your dream team, okay? Uh, how do we build a championship team? How do you build a great organization? How do you build a great structure? How do you, how do you go to I'm doing good to I'm doing great with the people around me? Because what you're going to do first off is you're going to determine who has the most influence in your life. Okay, number one, you're going to determine who has the most influence in your life, and you're going to say, these people, I need the closest to me. I need the closest to me. And then you're going to distance the influence, not the relationship, distance the amount of influence the rest of everyone else has. Top five closest people in your life will determine where you're headed in your life. So after you get that done, I want to tell you how to build that dream team, because we can all easily say that, but how do you do that? Number one, uh, you have to have a champion mentality. You have to have the ch- mentality of a champion. How, and let me ask you a question. How much do you value yourself? How much do you think of yourself? A lot of people are like, no, I don't want, I'm not that kind of person. You think God looks at you and like, well, they're okay. <laughs> they're good. Or do you think God's like, that is one of mine. She's the best thing I've ever created. He's one of the greatest I've ever created. Do you know him? Have you met him? Have you met her? Do you think the father looks at you and sees anything less than the very best? Do you think he, he is something by you that he was just like, oops, <laughs> right? Maybe with me, but I don't know. If, if for you, like, no, I'm telling you, God sees you and he says, no, you're perfect. That's why he says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know what fearful means? It doesn't mean he was worried. It means he cautiously and carefully considered. That's the translation in Hebrew. He cautiously and carefully considered every detail about you. God took you into consideration. God says, no, no, you're the best. If you don't have a champion mentality, who do you think you're going to attract? If you think of yourself as a five, what are you going to probably attract around you? Let me tell you, it won't even be fives, it'll be threes. When you have a 10 mentality, when you have an all-in mentality, when you have a, uh, I believe in who I am and who God created me mentality, I'm telling you, you're going to start attracting incredible people around you. I used to tell, and I started with our PE class. I was the PE teacher first before we started any teams. And I said, hey, I want you to look at me right now. I was 23 years old. I said, you are looking at the most successful person you will ever meet. And I, I was the PE coach for like a tiny little private school. <laughs> They're like... This guy's crazy. We need to get another PE teacher. And I was like, you're looking at the most successful person because I believe in myself. And I want you to believe in yourself. And that's how we went from losing all the time to winning all the time. That's how, that's how the kingdom increases because somebody believes. Somebody took their belief from a zero to a ten. 
somebody decided to believe. You have to have a championship mentality. You have to. That's who you're going to draw. That's number one. Number two, recruit, 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 recruit. And guess what you do? Recruit. Go get who you want. Who do you want to be friends with? You, you, you have a multimillionaire that you're like, man, I've, I've been following them on Instagram. I want to be their best friend. You know what? One day, I'm going to be Chris Pratt's best friend. I think he's hilarious. <laughs> he always strikes me as one of those guys where I'm like, he'd be fun to hang out with. And I'm like, let's do this. Let's just try to be. You're going to recruit. You're going to draw people in. You're going to draw people. When I was coaching, we had guys who never played sports before. So I went to my brother, who is a championship athlete, 6'5", as a ninth grader, and could jump through the roof. And so I was like, you, I it convinced him, recruited him to leave this big public school with a ton of attention and a lot of recognition. I'm like, come to this little private school. Yes, we've lost every game. But I want you to play for me. And I want you to help me start winning. And I recruited him, and guess what? More athletes started to come. More athletes started to come, and we started to win. Let me tell you, you got to find people in your life, and I hope you identify. You're seeing and you're thinking of people right now that you need to recruit in your life because you're worth it. Don't look at them as somehow better than you. Look at them as, as a place that they've gone ahead of you and say, okay, I, I want you to, what can you offer? I want you to be in my life. You're an incredible person. I want you around me. I want you to influence me. And then number three, I want you to write this down. Number three is you got to design this. Okay? You got to develop this and you got to direct this. You got to design, develop, and direct. You want to build a great team? Start, start mapping it out. Start saying, okay, who, who's on this list? I want you to write down two names if you can right now. If you could write down one name, I want you to write down a name. And I want you to think of that person. Maybe if you're <clears throat> sitting next to them, you probably write their name first. And then you go from there and start thinking of wonderful people that you can add to your list. Somebody who's got a great marriage that you want to emulate after. Somebody who's got a great business that you want to emulate after. Somebody in your life, somebody around you that you can receive from and you can grow from. You're going to build a dream team. You're going to build a championship team because you design it. Then after you design it, you're going to have to develop it. And you're going to have to direct it. you got to put the effort in. you got to put a lot of effort in. Tons of effort. Over and over and over and over again. I want to go with this last uh, point that I want to share with you tonight. It's about commitment. Because one thing that they really did, they stepped into this and they said, okay, now that we're connected, let's show that we're committed. We're all in. I mentioned the stones. <clears throat> These stones were meant for a few things in the Bible. I'll tell you all of them that they were used for. Number one, a stone uh, was used for judgment, right? To stone each other. Cast judgment, condemnation over each other. We all hold one of these. It's up to you what you're going to do with it. And then the other way is you build a memorial, you build an altar. We take these big stones and we make a huge altar and they made a place of memorial and remembrance. And then the other two uh, uh, smaller things that were used in the Bible was one for casting lots. You remember when they uh, cast lots for Jesus' clothes? That's how you cast lots. Cast lots, who, who's to blame with uh, the, the story in Jonah? They cast lots, we all voted Jonah. That's the other way. The other, the last reason is very small and, and, and not really mentioned in the Bible. It's called a white stone, of, and it's a, a name that you'll know when you get to heaven. That will be revealed to you. But the two that I want to focus on tonight are the judgment, the stone of judgment and the stone of memorial. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with what God has given you? Are you going to continue to hold on to this? 
Because let me tell you the three voices. Remember, I'm going to give you the three perspectives. Number one, the, the enemy is going to tell you, you ought to just hit them. They, they deserve it. Right? You ever thought of somebody like, they've earned this? Every bit of it. And the enemy wants you to start throwing at each other. The enemy wants you to say, okay, and I'll judge it. Yeah, they're terrible. Yeah, no, you should totally. And the enemy gets in your mind and gets in your head. And then all of a sudden, that's why do you think Christians fight so much? Why do you think churches can't get along? Why do you think there's not unity in the body of Christ? Because we've all kept our stone. Instead of doing what we were supposed to do with it, we all kept it. And we're listening to the voice of the enemy. And every time someone doesn't do the way we're meant to, the way we want, the way we think, the way we, and, and we're just ready to fire at somebody. And we're, some of us have a temper and we're just waiting for the next reason to throw our stone. We're just waiting for the next excuse. That's the voice of the enemy. He wants us to operate like that. He wants us to destroy each other because his goal is to seek, kill, and destroy. He wants to divide the body of Christ. He wants to hurt your relationships. He doesn't want you building them. So if he can get you to throw a stone at somebody, very few people will want to be your friend. Nobody wants to be friends with somebody who's judgmental. Right? We always do this. I'll just keep it. Just in case. See, the voice of the flesh is, you know, I don't know. You never know what I want. I, I, I may want to build my own thing over here. They're all, yeah, they're all doing that cool little altar thing, but I want to do my thing. And we want to build our own thing. Or maybe we want to throw it at each other. Maybe the, the voice of the enemy just says, just keep it just in case. Just keep it. You never know. Don't, don't really commit. You don't need to commit to anything. You don't need to commit to a church. Keep a hold of your commitment because this is what we're talking about. Where is your commitment? Where is your life? What, is it been, what has it been given over to? And, and, and you're saying, okay, God, no, I'm just going to hold on to my, I'll keep coming. I'll see if I want to be a part of this church. I'll, I'll see if I want to be. How, how many have ever heard this before? Well, what does a piece of paper and a ring mean? You know, I... And I just, and they're just tossing their little stone. What, what is, is it a big deal? If it's not a big deal, why don't you do it anyway? If it's not that big a deal, do it. Yeah. Commit. Turn to your neighbor and say, you better commit. Because you want to know, you ever hear of these prophets and these teachers and these evangelists out there? Be wary of anybody who tries to speak, teach on the word of God, and they're not committed to anywhere. They're dangerous people. Because they want to still do their own thing. Yeah. Why aren't they connected to the body of Christ? Why aren't they connected to what God is doing? Why aren't they really involved in what God, well, you, there ought to be some red flags that start flying up because there's too many influences out there of, one, of people who like, it sounds like they have good wisdom, sounds like they have good intentions, but let me tell you, they're dangerous people. Yeah. False teaching, false doctrine, false prophets come from people who say, no, no, I, you know, I just, or these parachurches or home churches because I, I, don't, I don't really want to be a part of that. Do you know what the ecclesia is? It's the body of Christ. It's the church. It's what Jesus said he came and died for. And the ecclesia in Greek literally means the formal organized gathering of the people of Jesus Christ. That's what it literally means. But we're like, well, I don't really. How many have ever heard this before? I don't need to go to church to have Jesus. I don't need to be with you to actually have like a relationship with God. All they're really saying is I don't want to commit. 
I, I don't want to actually throw, I don't want to throw my lot in with you. I don't want to be with you. I don't want to build something great. Because what happens when we do the opposite where God says, no, no, you need to commit in covenant. Because when you all come together and you lay your stones here, instead of throwing them at each other, instead of building your own thing, is you build a great place of worship and memorial. And when all this, he said, when all the generations after you come by and say, what is that massive pile of stones over there? Everyone's going to say, this is where the Lord met them. This is where the Lord did a great work because they came together, because they worked together instead of separate. They committed to one another. They said, okay, I'm in this for your success. I'm committed to you. I know this is sobering for some of us, but let me tell you, God is calling you to another level of commitment, not just with him, but with each other. As the band comes, we're going to prepare to close uh, tonight. But I, I, I really want to stress this a little bit more. What are you trying to build? And let me just come down. I feel like, I feel like sitting for a second. I've been standing all day. Um, are, are, you getting, what are, are you holding on because you, you just, what, what's the excuse? Are we waiting to throw, or are we just waiting because we, we've been hurt before and we don't know if we're going to need this to really fight back? Or are we going to let God do the fighting for us? Are we going to go ahead and lay this down and say, I'm not going to cast judgment against anybody. I'm not going to withhold my commitment. I'm not going to withhold a connection that God is trying to bring in my life. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start going ahead and saying, okay, God, let's build something together. Let, let's do this together. Why, why? Let me tell you another question. Let me ask you another question. You know the only person who's talked about in the Bible is a roaming wanderer? The devil. He's the only one. The only one in the Bible who's talked about, he just, you ever heard this before? I just, I'm a part of the body of Christ. I go to a lot of churches. I go everywhere. There's no commitment. You want to know what they're saying? No accountability. No real, hey, I love you, but you got to get your stuff together. No real saying, hey, let's jump in and let's do this. Let's build something together. That, that's, uh, the hand doesn't say to the foot, hey, let's trade places. I love how people just misquote the Bible. Well, we're all one body. Yeah, but he called you to be a hand, not a rib. Move over, bro. Get in your place. A lot of us, we're, we're a part of the body, but we're in the wrong position. That's why our life isn't functioning right. You're trying to operate in the wrong position that God had created you for. God says, no, no, I brought you here for a reason. Stay put. Quit bouncing around. Quit being uncommitted. And think about that in just your, your personal relationships one-on-one. -on -one. God is calling you to say, okay, hey, it's time for you to stop keeping everybody at a distance and withholding the commitment you have in your heart and start connecting to each other and committing to each other like I called you to because that's where real faith lies, right here. Right here, I want you to see it, right at the altar. That's where faith lies. Say, okay, let's build something together. You wanna go somewhere great in your life? You wanna go somewhere incredible in your life? You wanna accomplish a tremendous work in your life? Because right after this, God accelerated the whole tribe, the nation, millions of people, and they went straight from that to the circumcision where they consecrated their life to God, and then boom, they were conquering Jericho within just a, one chapter. Because why? What, what was God waiting for? God was like, hey, I know you, you're, you know you're called, you know you're created, I know you belong to me, but you, man, you gotta learn how to get along. You gotta actually learn how to connect with each other. You gotta actually learn how to commit to one another.
you're not going to get very far. Who do you have in your life that's challenging you? Who do you have in your life that's encouraging you, who's building you up? Who you've brought in to, to connect with and commit to? Maybe it's a, a, a marriage. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's a business relationship. Maybe it, it's a mentor and mentee. Right? Whatever it is. Let me tell you, God's brought people in your life and you need to start working with them. You need to start working with them. I have mine. I have my staff. They're my number one. Then I have my elders. Then I have my leaders. Those are my tiers. I don't work with anybody before outside of those people. Why? Because I, I'm, I'm responsible. I have to be responsible and I have to make sure I take care of them first. And then I take care of the church. And then I take care, right? And then it, it all spawns off of that. Who, who is the, who's your closest? Who's right next to you that you need to start working with right away? Say, let's make this strong. Let's make this a strong, connected, committed relationship. Let's be friends. Maybe somebody's going to leave here today and you're going to say, hey, you know what? We're going to be friends and we're going to start challenging each other instead of just letting each other get by with a lot of stuff. Maybe we're just going to step up in our marriage and our family and say, hey, we're really going to take this to another level this year. I really want to see great things accomplished. I really do have good dreams. Let me just tell you also something real quick. For our, I'm looking at a lot of parents and future parents in here. The things that you overcome right now in your life, your kids won't have to conquer in their life. But it comes through your connection and commitment right now. They conquered Jericho, and guess what? The generations after them didn't have to conquer it. Jericho was found as this destroyed city not even that long ago. No one ever lived in that again. That's a testimony. God's saying, look, when you beat this, no one is going to have to fight this same battle over and over again. They're not going to have to keep marching around those walls over and over again. They're not going to battle that same addiction again. They're not going to battle your same uh, battle of poverty. They're not going to battle that same battle of divorce. They're not going to battle that same battle of, of all the things that the enemy's trying to throw at you because you're connected in the right way and you're committed to the right things and you're saying, let's build this house together. Let's build the place of worship together. Let's build an altar together. Why separate? Why? I ask myself that all the time. Why do we keep doing something, just everybody does their own little thing? If we actually came together and started working together, I'm not talking about other churches. Right now, I'm, right now I'm talking about just us. I think we have a great level of commitment, but I think it can go to another level. And I think the Lord's calling us to do that. Say, okay, okay, men and women, are you ready? You ready to trust again? Ready to have faith? Ready to believe? You ready to allow people to come into your life and be, be those blessings and those lessons? Allow me to put people in your life. And then commit to them. Make a commitment. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to pray with you. This is going to be your opportunity where you step out, where you say, okay, you're going to decide what that stone is for that you're holding on to. You're going to hold on to it, keep your options open. You're going to hold on to it, ready to take on any offense that may come and throw the first stone at the first person who offends you. Ready to cast judgment the moment anything goes wrong because you're not committed to what God has called you to. You're you're committed to living by your, your emotions and your flesh. Let me tell you, don't listen to the enemy. Don't listen to your flesh. 
you need to say, okay, God, I, I need to surrender. I need to get connected to the right people, and I need to take this stone. I need to take uh, my heart, and I need to build something great with each other. I need to allow people in my life. I need to surround myself with the right people. I need to commit. Commitment. It's what our nation needs so desperately right now is a strong level of commitment, not to just God, but to each other. Doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter your race, doesn't matter where you come from, what you've done, what you haven't done, how good you think you are, how bad you think you are. We are called to each other. We are connected to each other and we're meant to commit to one another for the success of building and growing and establishing the kingdom of God. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now. If that message speaks to you, you want to connect to the right people or you want to commit, I just want you to raise your hand. If the Lord's been speaking to you while I've been talking, every hand in here, that's awesome. Almost every heart in here, that's powerful. And everyone online, I want to pray with you right now and I just want you to begin to pray for yourself. Okay, Lord, it's time to connect. Okay, God, it's time, it's time to really connect to the right people. It's time to have the right friends in my life, the right influences of my life. Lord, I, I'm going to start building the team around me. I'm going to recruit the right people around me. I'm going to design this. I'm, I'm going to, Lord, speak into it and direct it. And Lord, I thank you that I'm going to commit to it. I'm not just going to ask that people commit to me and that you commit to me, God. I'm going to commit to the cause of Christ. I'm going to become passionately persuaded for the cause of Christ in my life. Committed to God and committed to the people you've brought me with. And Lord, in Jesus' name, it's time to go to another level in our commitment. That's when we will see the next level of our destiny. The next open door for our purpose. God is waiting for commitment. And tonight is your night where you're going to surrender your commitment and say, Okay, God, I, I'm committed. I'm going to build something together with the bride of Christ, the people of God, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're going to build a place of worship. We're going to build an altar, a memorial. When generations to come, God, they're going to look back and say, this is where it started. This is when it started. This is why it started. It's because my grandfather committed in that moment, and it changed the destiny of our whole family. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, that you're changing lives and you're speaking to each and every one of us. God, we receive all that you have for us tonight. God, we receive, God, a whole other level of commitment. We receive your perspective on connection and commitment in our life, God. And we're going to step out in 2019 for the rest of this year. God, Lord, being more connected and committed than we've ever been in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give God some praise, Covenant.